reading is from Psalm 127 on page 624, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, and children a reward reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. This is the word of the Lord. Shall I pray before we look at the psalm together? Dear Father in heaven, we um, pray that uh, as we look at this, uh, your word, that um, by your spirit you will open our minds to understand it and our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, I have to admit to, to actually being a bit in two minds about New Year. I mean, because yesterday was just another day, really. Uh, it's just the fact that we changed the number to 2022. Would that make any difference? We're still wrestling with COVID, aren't we? We still, a few bill, fuel bills are still going up. Boris is still in charge, and England are still losing to Australia in the cricket. So, just like any other day. Um, um, and you might think that things don't change, but of course they do change, and sometimes very quickly. It's just that they don't wait till New Year to do it. And uh, so that, that's one view. But on the other hand, I think to myself, well, th- this is an opportunity to stop and to stay, take stock of where we are and where our life is going, what plans we have. It's, just, it's an opportunity to review our life. And uh, in this rather odd psalm, it, there is a great chance to do just that, to reflect at the beginning of 2022. And uh, so, this odd psalm, it does seem a bit strange. I don't know whether you, you thought that as you read it, because it sounds a little bit more like a passage from um, Proverbs, like a, a series of unconnected bits of wisdom. Like you move from the house building to being a watchman to working all hours versus sleeping, not to mention this odd then switch to the blessing of children. What is the central message of this psalm? Um, Well, it is, I guess, unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor in vain. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you will have heard that um, passage before, but it's a chance now to think about what that means for us personally. So I've got some points here. Um, uh, That's it. Um, (coughs) First point is building a house. Let's think about that for a moment. Does that mean this is a message for all those who are around busy building houses? And there's plenty of those, aren't there? Um, Well, it's a sort of metaphor, isn't it? But it means all all who would plan to build or achieve anything. But it's no coincidence that the writer uses the term the house. In uh, 2 Samuel 7, verses 27, um, 
David prays to the God and he says this, Lord Almighty God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. So, house, when the psalm says house, it means something more, like in, the, in, the, in that Samuel verse, it's, the house is the house of David. It's a family, it's people who followed him, it's a dynasty. The house of David. Everything that he had or would achieve. So house is something sort of all-encompassing. It's more than an example or a metaphor. It goes deeper than that. It's all about what we build or construct, our plans and aspirations. And then the other examples that the writer then uses uh, down through the psalm, he talks about building a home, a family, a household. So he touches on our desire to protect what we have built up with this uh, uh, watchman example. And then he touches on working all hours and to sustain what we have uh, and feel responsible for. And then he reflects on the family. And it's a reflection uh, in a psalm of what our attitude to those things is. But if you boiled it right down, it's about home, job, work, food, sleep, family. So that includes everybody, doesn't it? And we're all making plans and building a life for ourselves in one way or another. So it's not just a list of unconnected things. It's more a set of examples of how we might view our plans in our life. And then it's certainly, therefore, um, something that we should include when we plan to build uh, St. Mary's, this family. But just I want to pick up on a point here about whether or not you think this refers to you. There's a sequence in the first two verses which is interesting. So he opens with this fairly general uh, easily accepted statement, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders build in vain. Well, I say easily accepted if you accept the Christian faith, I suppose. But it, anyway, it's a sort of remote, it's sort of non-threatening, the builders sort of over there. Um, but then he gets a little bit more personal when he says the watchman, for we all want our homes and our families to be secure. So it gets a little bit more personal. But then he hits us with this, verse 2. In vain you rise early. Suddenly it gets a whole lot more direct and personal to us. The writer sort of sucks us in with this getting our general agreement to the principle that if you exclude God from your plans, then you're wasting your time to then actually directly pointing at us individually. Okay, so we have seen that the house is far broader than you first might imagine. But that's only the start. So we need to get a bit deeper now into this psalm. And so the second thing I want to look at, unless the Lord builds the house, what is the principle here in the psalm? Well, he's saying that unless the Lord builds what we're building, unless he has been involved or not overlooked, not forgotten, then our activity is in vain. In fact, he uses in vain three times. The builders labor in vain, the watchman stands guard in vain, and we get up early, stay up late, toil in vain. If we do those things without reference to God. Just to clarify, when he says in vain, he means without true success or lasting result. 
Now, I'm conscious that as we say that, that sort of rubs us as human beings up the wrong way a bit. If you're saying whatever you do, unless you include the Lord, then you know, you're wasting your time. It's an insult to our pride and also a damning verdict on our human self-sufficiency. If God is not involved, we're wasting our time. Well, there are a couple of things I want to uh, look into in, in a minute, but just hold your judgment on that for a moment. <clears throat> but just for starters, if we believe there is a God who has created us and is sustaining all things, if we believe that he is with us as we have been celebrating this Christmas, then to exclude him from our plans, exclude him from our life, is not a very good idea, is it? Now this is supported uh, in more than one place in the Bible. I'll give you a couple of examples. In Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Or Jesus speaking in John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is a biblical principle. Um, but before we tackle the points that I mentioned, let's pick up on the three examples he uh, gives here and see what we can learn from it. So first of all, the watchman who guards the city to protect it from danger or loss. Well, of course, we may not have someone who stands uh, around the, the outskirts of Basingstoke watching out for us or our house. But we as a nation, and we individually, have all sorts of means and devices to protect what we have built up, haven't we? And the psalm is not attacking that effort to do that, not saying that we shouldn't look after ourselves or what we have, our family. He's just pointing out that it does not guarantee result. We like to feel we are in control of everything, but I know, I think, that deep down there are a number of things that can happen which we have no control over, and we know it. It's a fallacy to imagine that we have it all covered. Secondly, then, the writer speaks of work, and he says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. Now, this feels very applicable to the present day. People work long hours, don't they, without proper rest. Maybe many of you, I don't know. Perhaps it, but since the psalm was written hundreds of years ago, perhaps it's always been the case. And there is this current view, certainly, that the harder the, you work, the more successful you will be. It's all down to your ability and application, the amount of effort you put in. To quote the film, lunch is for wimps. But then you might say to me, well, look, um, more recently there's been you know, work-life balance. People are thinking about this a bit more. But I wonder, somebody just said to me just the other day that um, they were warned that when they went through an interview, they, wouldn't, they shouldn't work, mention work-life balance because the interviewer just hears this person doesn't want to work hard. Now, the psalm is not advocating being lazy, it's saying you need to keep a proper perspective on this. Because you could work your fingers to the bone, make your life a drudgery, but that won't guarantee you success. 
But it's an interesting thing, the way the psalm reflects on this. And I'll just read that bit for you. Um, so it's the end of verse 2. So all, all about the toiling. And then he says, For he grants sleep to those he loves. Now that's not saying that those, those he loves, only those he loves, can sleep properly. It's not saying that. It's saying that sleep is a gift from God because he loves us. Our activity then is not everything. Even while we sleep, while we do nothing, God is still at work. Gives gifts, refreshment, new inspiration, ideas and energy. He enjoys giving rest to those he loves, to us. So success, whatever that means exactly, will not depend entirely on your own zeal or ability. We need to recognize and include God in our attitude to work. But then the psalm switched to family in verses 3 to 5. And here the psalm rather confuses those who would study it, because it seems like these verses are sort of tacked on to the previous two. So, for example, he switches from talking about doing things in vain to pointing out that the family is a gift. A blessed and children are a blessing. But we have seen how uh, that emphasizes that the family is part of what you build, the house. And it seems as you read it, the writer has had occasion to see how valuable a family is because he says this sort of strange thing at the end. They will not be put to shame they will, when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Now, in the gate, what he means by by the gate, often in those times, they would solve disputes of legal type disputes. They would come together and resolve those. And so what he's saying is you've got a big family behind you as you go there, then uh, that is a great support. That's what he's saying. Maybe he's experienced that. But I know that not everyone here would find that their family is such a source of comfort and strength as the writer says. Although we often, I think, learn and gain a lot from the struggles that we have in our families. But we are now members of another family. That is, the family of God. You may have caught over Christmas this reading from John chapter 1. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We are now sons and daughters of the Most High. He has brought us into a family who are to support and love one another. And I hope you feel and know that of this family as well. So to summarize this part, all the hard work in the world is in vain unless the Lord rather than yourself is the one that you are going to rely upon. Only what is from God will truly last is of any purpose or meaning. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So let me deal with the two points or questions that we have when we're faced with this uh, sort of challenge. Because when it says uh, that they labor in vain, 
when they don't look to the Lord. Well, people seem to be able to do and build many things and labor quite successfully with no reference to God whatsoever. It does not seem always that they labor in vain. But then, in a sense, this psalm not only is like Proverbs, it's like Ecclesiastes as well, which sort of concludes that everything is somewhat meaningless. We may succeed in what we seek to do, but might just then find that it proves to be meaningless and pointless, futile. It's interesting, isn't it, the number of rich and successful people who seem to come to the same conclusion. The second point is the message is really quite countercultural for us. There's a footballer called, I hope I'm going to pronounce this properly, Antoine Griezmann, plays for Atletico Madrid and the French national side. And uh, he is quoted as saying, with hard work and effort, you can achieve anything. Hmm. That sums up a lot of modern thinking, isn't it? It's a popular view. Self-reliance, self-fulfillment, believe in yourself. Well, a psalm isn't quite exactly an opposite to that. It's saying, or rather it's not saying, don't work hard. It's saying, seek after achieving your dreams, but don't leave God out of your plans. Don't trust only in yourself. Put your plans into the hands of the one who brings true meaning and purpose to our life. And who will there be with you when things get tough, when it doesn't work out as you had hoped or expected. Okay, let me finish by talking about the applying this principle. Because um, the psalm doesn't say how you're going to do that and ensure that the Lord builds a house. Um, I sort of became interested in something called lane assist technology. I don't know whether you heard of that. I haven't got it on my car, but... Um, but I find it intriguing. Or in another way of pronouncing it, lane departure warning system. What it does is it tells you, the car tells you, if you're drifting out of your lane, um, like on a motorway or your carriage or something, uh, and not signaling to do so, there's this bleeper, I suppose, comes up. You're getting out of your lane. I can imagine it could be quite annoying. I don't know whether any of you have got it, but um, yeah, I'm meant to be coming out. I want to come out of my lane and go bleep, bleep. There's another thing which is even more alarming called lane keep assist, which actually the car would put you back in the lane if you start driving out of it. Could be scary. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be good if we had something like lane assist technology that God warned us when we were drifting away from his purposes and his plans? Maybe he does warn us. Maybe we're just not listening. But here are three ways I want to mention. And there's probably more, and I'm sure you've heard of these. I've heard them many times, but I still need to be reminded. First is, keep looking to Scripture. He's given us this book, the Bible, this revelation for a purpose. He speaks to us through it. He guides us in it. Psalm 119 the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Secondly, we are to include God. Pray to him. Put your plans and your work before him. Your aspirations and your frustrations. Because he longs to engage with you. Pray to him. In my experience, that always helps. Then be involved with other believers. That share with other people who also want their life to be guided by God. Involve them. Speak to them about your plans. So to conclude, there is a simple message for those who feel that they bear the burden of the responsibility for their household. It's a simple message. Relax. It's not all down to you. But this psalm does confront it. It can challenge us. But at the same time, it also comforts us. It says you are not indispensable and we are not so self-sufficient as we think we are. But then at the same time, it says it doesn't all depend on you. You're not to be overwhelmed by responsibility. It says you can be careful, you can work hard, you can be responsible, you can be creative. Everything then can go wrong in a way that you had never foreseen. But then it says, if you know and trust God, put into his hands what you plan, it's not hopeless. It's not lost. He still loves you. And he can bring meaning and purpose in ways that you could never imagine. In Western society, this whole thing might seem an extraordinary approach to take, to trust in God. But it would be nice to think, don't you feel, that we as a family of the church could actually model an alternative to what the world thinks. Amen. Amen.